The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. CC. Love this church. I've been here a couple of times, I think, and I've always been taken by the warmth and the joy and the freshness here. So it's such a great honour to be with you and with Hilary and Dash. So thank you for having me. What does it mean to be faithful? What do you think? Loyal. Loyal. Yeah, good. What does it mean to be faithful to God? How do you be faithful to God? Well, I'm going to sum it up in a very simple way. Jesus said, my people hear my voice, I know them, and they follow. We're called to follow Jesus. How do we do that? Well, Jesus isn't here. Did you know that? He was here. But then he said, I have to leave. But don't worry, because when I leave, I will send you my spirit and my spirit will remind you of everything I've taught the truths of what is now written in scripture and then my spirit will speak to you of things to come and so when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost God gave us his Holy Spirit to speak to us it says the spirit came on sons and daughters young and old they could have visions and dreams and they could prophesy Meaning that in the same way as the old covenant prophets could hear God's voice, they mainly heard God in visions and dreams, it's a picture way of hearing from God. We're going to see a bit of that this morning. They heard in visions and dreams and then they prophesied, which just means to speak it out, to to pass it on if it's for somebody else, but to live by it if it's for them. So we can all hear God's voice. And Jesus said the way to follow Jesus is to hear his voice and to follow. Faithfulness to God means hearing his voice and doing what God says. I love what Eugene Peterson said. He's the guy that translated the message paraphrase. Have you heard of him? He said that, Following God is a long obedience in the same direction. (laughs) Hearing the Spirit and doing what God said. We're going to look at this whole area of faithfulness using two stories. One is from the first century and the other one is from the 21st century. So two stories. The first one, I want to take you to a scene. It's in the latter half of the first century. So rewind back to 2,000 years ago. And I want you to imagine you are sitting in church. It's in somebody's home. And you live in a city in the ancient area of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey today. And in this setting that you've been in, you're with your friends, you've just had a meal and you've celebrated communion as we have done now. And now it's a time of listening because one of the leaders in your gathering, a small gathering, perhaps about 30 people, stands up and they've received a letter from one of the church leaders. His name is John. And John has had a vision from the Holy Spirit. Remember, that was the promise of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would remind them of everything Jesus had said and speak about things to come. And the the, the leader starts 
telling you about this vision that John has had. It's a very colourful, interesting vision, but it speaks right into your situation, what you are facing right now. Well, the question is, of course, what are you facing right now? What was your life like back then towards the end of the first century? Well, you lived under the shadow of the greatest empire on earth, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was vast and grand and wealthy and powerful. It extended throughout the Middle East into North Africa and it was constantly expanding. The Romans wanted to extend and get more power and more land and more territory and they had a mighty army full of soldiers that would go out and battle into far areas and take more and more territory. It was also a wealthy empire. In fact, the Romans had built great long roads, networks all through the area and there would be vast quantities of trade and goods that would come through so that you could get everything that you needed. The only problem with this prosperous one world government of Rome is that the way they extended their power and their grandeur wasn't always with good techniques. They used violence, abuse, exploitation of the poor. They would go into territories and take to captives the, the spoils of war. One third of the Roman Empire was slaves, people who weren't seen for their worth. There was so much need in the empire, but so much focus on the greatness of Rome. If you were to go down the streets of your city, you would see the Roman centurions marching past. You would see temples and statues, all built in the name of the emperor, the great and mighty one, probably the emperor Domitian at the time, because we're not quite sure of the dates. But whatever, whoever it was, the emperor was known to be commanded by the gods. Even on the coins, he was depicted as though he was almost like Zeus, the Greco-Roman gods of the day. And everyone had to pay homage to the emperor. When you went to the marketplace, you'd have to pay an offering or burn incense. When you engaged in the sporting festivals and the processions, you'd have to, you know, proclaim emperor as lord. He even had some titles. Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Blessed Saviour. And the question was, since you had become a Christian, since you had decided to follow Jesus, this Jew who was born and raised in Israel and who gave his life on a cross and was said to res be resurrected again, what did that mean for your life now under the shadow of the greatness of the Roman Empire. See, there were some bad things that were happening around the place. You'd heard the stories. There'd been a guy called Antipas who'd been lynched and murdered because of his faith. You heard back in the stories under the Emperor Nero, this crazy, cruel tyrant who'd killed many of his family, but he'd also been the one that executed Peter 
and Paul. He was the one who took the Christians and used them as human torches for parties and he blamed them for the great fire of Rome. And then, of course, you heard the story about how the Romans had come in and sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the holy city, pulled the temple down, crucified thousands and thousands of Jews, slaughtered them all and sent them all far, far away. See, being a Christian wasn't really understood for what it was. People were a bit suspicious about you. You had some strange practices. You believed in love. You believed in the power of love. You believed in things that other people didn't believe in and you didn't worship the local gods of the area. How was a Christian to live in this situation? And that's when John's vision comes. It's a colourful vision. It's a powerful vision. It's a bit of an unusual one. It uses pictures to tell the story. Have you ever heard that saying, a picture tells a thousand words? The story is told in the book of Revelation. And if you want to, you can follow along in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. What did John see? These are the words that he wrote down to the seven churches of Revelation. And if you can imagine what it would have been like to be him. He finds himself in the spirit and before him is a throne room. An awesome throne room with a great and mighty throne. Around the throne is a brilliant rainbow. And there's lightning and thunder that's coming from it. Before it is a crystal sea. It's like glass. Around the sea is a circle of 24 elders. They're sitting on their own thrones and they have crowns on their heads. Around them is and above them are four winged creatures and they're singing, holy, holy is the Lord. And then your attention is drawn to the one that sits on the throne. What's in his hand? It's a, it's a scroll. It, it, it is sealed. I wonder what's in it. Must be something important. Perhaps something to do with the throne. Something to do with the kingdom and how it operates. And then John hears a voice saying, Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who can open it? And John's sitting on the edge of his seat. What's in it? Who can open it? Silence fills the scene. Who is the one who is worthy? No answer. But there must be someone. No answer. And John is filled with panic and distress. Surely there's an answer. Surely we can know what the message is. Begins to weep deeply. And then suddenly the voice comes from the angel. We've found someone. There is someone who is worthy. It is the lion of the tribe of Judah. John knows this lion. This is the lion that's been spoken of for years, way back in the prophet's time. From the tribe of Judah, 
It's the Messiah, a great and mighty warrior, the king of the jungle, the lion, a symbol of conquest in the ancient world. It's the lion. But, but what? Hang on. It, it's not a lion. It's, it's, a, it's a lamb. It's a very weak and fragile looking lamb. It, it's got blood all over it. It, it looks like it's been slain. But what? That's weird. It has seven eyes. And what else? Seven horns. Eyes, the ancient symbol of perfect vision. Horns, the ancient symbol of perfect strength. Who is the little lamb? And suddenly the whole throne room erupts in the sound of worship. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the one who gave his life. God was speaking. God was speaking to John. God was speaking to the churches of the late first century. But, but what was he saying? Well, to understand... in need a little bit of the backdrop because even in the ancient world the earthly king had a council and a throne room in fact the emperor domitian has been discovered in a statue with a scroll in his hand and there's no coincidence that he had 24 officials serving him from the different areas of rome and they would come before him and they would offer their crowns as a gift to the mighty emperor who was seen to be the lord of lords what was god saying he was saying that there are two kingdoms seven churches and the people there and john two kingdoms there's one kingdom where jesus is lord there's another kingdom where emperor domitian is lord but they operate quite differently See, you're familiar with the great Roman Empire. You're familiar with how wealthy and how violent and how abusive and how oppressive they are, how they use people, exploit people to find their own ends, to serve their own purposes, to make themselves strong and powerful. But churches, I want you to know that there's another kingdom. In this kingdom, the one who sits on the throne has a different way of operating. It looks weak, but in actual fact, it's strong. Because it looks like the one who gave his life in love and sacrifice to serve others. It looks like the one who laid down his life, who wanted to show people that love always conquers evil and then God was saying I want you to follow I want you to follow how do you live under the shadow of the Roman Empire you follow the way of the lamb you live like he did 
You not only preach the gospel, but you live according to it. You remember Jesus who gave his life and calls you to be faithful to do the same. What did that mean for the early church? Well, history tells the tale of how they heard God's voice and followed it, how they were faithful. They reached out to their neighbours in love. They became the vehicle of healing when plagues and disease hit the cities of the Roman Empire, it was the Christians who would go out and heal them when the Romans wouldn't. When the babies were left discarded in the gutter because no one cared about the poor and the weak in Rome, it was the Christians who gathered them up. When the orphans, when the widows were suffering because as women they couldn't get the money that they needed, it was the Christians who gathered offerings and who gave them and who served them, such to the point where the Romans began to take notice. Back in the first century, the second century, you see, there was no welfare system in Rome. Today, their actions and the actions of their early church, the faithfulness to follow the way of the Lamb meant that the values of our society are formed by their principles. We have values of compassion, don't we? We have values of equality, dignity for all, justice for all. These came from Jesus. These came from the church who listened to the voice of the Spirit and who followed faithfully. You know, sometime after this vision was given, Rome started to get annoyed at the Christians. They started to get angry at the fact that the Christians called Jesus Lord of Lords and not the Emperor. And they began to be persecuted. Some of the stories I'm sure you've heard about sending the Christians to lions and the gladiatorial battles that went on and some of the persecution that happened in the second and third centuries. What does it mean to be faithful? To follow God's voice is to do it at any cost, even when it hurts. It's a story from the first century, but it has application to us today. Let me tell you a second story from the 21st century. This is the faithfulness of a woman called Diane. She just started out in her professional career in the not-for-profit space, and she'd been working at a Christian organisation for three years. And one night, she had a dream. In the dream, she saw herself at work in the middle of a staff meeting. It was something that would happen every week with this particular organisation. It would be led by one of the leadership team. In this particular dream, it was her manager leading. And he started to share a few devotional thoughts. And then he asked the group a question. He said, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, Diane knew the answer, so she put her hand right up enthusiastically and she began to give her answer. And then something strange happened in the dream. Her manager belittled her, humiliated her, made her feel like she'd got it all wrong. And she was sitting there thinking, but I, I, thought, I, I thought that was right. I don't understand. And then the next scene in the dream, the CEO of the organisation came up to the front of the meeting. He gently moved the manager aside and then he spoke to the, all the staff and he said, no, listen to her, she's right. 
and then the dream ended. She wondered when she woke up what that was all about. (laughs) She knew that God sometimes spoke in dreams and visions and sometimes used picture language, but she's thinking, I don't know, that's a little bit strange. Was that from God? She didn't think too much of it until three days later. And she was at work. And that morning it was the staff meeting. And they gathered around and it just so happened that her manager was leading the devotions that morning. And he got up and he shared a few thoughts and then he asked the group a question. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Diane knew the answer so enthusiastically she put her hand up and and, and gave it. But then something horrible happened. He belittled her. He humiliated her. She felt like, I don't understand. What have I done wrong? The dream manifested itself down to the very detail. Well, except for one thing. A few days later, Diane went to work and was ushered into the office of her manager. She was told that she no longer had a job. She was being put off. She couldn't understand it. She thought she'd done a, a good job. She thought she'd done the right thing. She'd tried so hard to serve God and and she'd done really well on her performance criteria. What was going on? (laughs) What was missing? Who was the CEO in the dream? Listen to her. She's right. A couple of weeks later, Diane received a prophecy from someone who didn't know at all. God was speaking and the prophecy said, you've been the victim of professional jealousy. And God wants you to know that you've done nothing wrong. But he wants you to develop a soft heart and a hard head. He wants you to operate in the spirit of forgiveness. What did that mean for Diane? It meant to follow in the way of the Lamb. See, she'd heard the voice of God. God had spoken to her. God had turned the curtain back and shown her a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes. She'd done nothing wrong. The CEO, our heavenly (laughs) organiser, had endorsed her and said, you're right. Your heart's in the right place. You've been the victim of professional jealousy. You're the victim of someone else's insecurity, someone else's sin. God has spoken. Would she listen? And then how would she respond? For Diane, that meant to function in a spirit of forgiveness, to not exercise bitterness, revenge, to show grace, to follow in the way of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but when we think about Jesus' death, (laughs) it's pretty painful isn't it? It's pretty painful to lay your life down to people that are attacking you, mocking you, killing you, torturing you, belittling you, humiliating you. And everything in Jesus would have been to call upon the powers of heaven, the angels, to get him off the cross. It hurt to die on that cross. And sometimes Following the way of the lamb 
<laughs> looks like it's weak, it's covered in blood, it's messy. But God wants us to know that it's the power of God. It's the way that his kingdom operates. It's the way that God's kingdom moves forward. When we hear from the Spirit, it will lead us to follow the way of the Lamb. And faithfulness looks like hearing from God and doing it. It's not always easy. Grace, love, forgiveness, generosity, kindness. These are hard prices to pay. We'd much rather get out our swords and fight back with anger and revenge and bitterness and greed. That's what looks strong. But God is saying, the one who sits on the throne, do you understand the secret of what is written in the scroll? The kingdom of God, more powerful than any earthly kingdom, overcomes, defeats evil, produces freedom. Diane made a decision that day to follow the way of the Lamb. Like the early church of the late first century, she decided to show grace. She decided to move forward. It hurt. It wasn't easy. It was hard. She was now unemployed and faced all the problems of that. But today she testifies to the way it set her free. Today she testifies to the way she began to know Jesus more for herself. Today she testifies to the faithfulness of God who has lifted her up into higher places of influence and success and power and strength. See, this is the way God's kingdom operates. And the Holy Spirit comes to tear back the curtain, to give us a vision of what his kingdom looks like in our lives, in our family, in our story. And he calls us to listen to the Spirit and to follow. So the question now comes today, what does the faithfulness of your life look like right now? What is Holy Spirit saying to you? You may not have had as dramatic a, a vision as John did in the first century. You may not have had as dramatic a vision as Diane had in the 21st century. But, but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you. Jesus said his spirit would remind us of everything that he said. And his spirit would speak to us about things to come, the issues in our lives. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to just spend some time thinking about that question. And I want to challenge you this morning. You're here today because you're part of a church who wants to follow Jesus. And it's, following Jesus is not a ritual. It's not a, it's not a bunch of rules. It's not coming to church faithfully. That's a part of it. But in essence, being a Christian is having made a choice to follow Jesus. And Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit 
to continue what he started. So to follow Jesus today means to think about that question. And maybe the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about what life looks like at home. Perhaps Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to wash the dishes. <laughs> Perhaps Holy Spirit is saying, can you be kind to your grumpy neighbour? Not in Parramatta, of course, because everyone's lovely in Parramatta. Perhaps Holy Spirit is saying, be generous with the person who's hurt you. Oh, gee, that's hard. Man, it's hard. Or perhaps Holy Spirit is saying, be kind to the person you're jealous of. Perhaps Holy Spirit is saying, forgive your father for not doing a better job. What is Holy Spirit saying to you? Perhaps as Hillary prophesied this morning, Holy Spirit is saying, be bold. Don't wait for those ducks to be in a row, but step out. See, God is speaking. What is he saying to you? We're just going to have a couple of minutes as I want you to just encourage you to think on that question for a second. What is Holy Spirit saying to me? Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.